Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm Stacy Toth of PaleoParents.com. You might also know me as the broth lady or the inventor of the hashtag more vegetables than a vegetarian. I'm the co-author of several paleo cookbooks, including Eat Like a Dinosaur, Beyond Bacon, Real Life Paleo. I like to talk about health at any size and self-love and personal acceptance. Specifically, I have a love for lifting heavy things. If you're interested in finding more out about that, you can also find me on Strong Woman Radio. And I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne of thepaleomom.com. I'm the New York Times bestselling author of The Paleo Approach and The Paleo Approach Cookbook. I'm passionate about nutrient density and the intersection of diet and lifestyle with health, which really means I just love talking about science. News and Views, where Sarah and I catch up and you get to listen to our gossip. finally got the paleo view started welcome guests uh you may not know this but this is our 18th attempt to start this show <laughs> i think 18 is like an understatement <laughs> um but we're so happy that we made it work because we have diana rogers from sustainable dish joining us today um diana has been on the show before but we welcome her today as a newly registered dietitian um with your new rd so welcome diana Thank you so much. And it's nice to hear your actual voice instead of the Daft Punk robot talk. <laughs> I was just giving is. you guys some extra entertainment. <laughs> um, so, Diana, we, I'm just going to jump right into something because you posted earlier today um, a post that I read and immediately reposted on my Facebook page. And I've already seen it like going viral on every single like paleo bloggers Facebook page. And I love that you and Emily Deans had the chutzpah to kind of put it out there. And I think it goes hand in hand with kind of, you know, where we want to talk with you a little bit about today in terms of um, finishing up and and getting your um, RD. But so what struck me about your post is what Sarah and I talk about all the time, which is that, you know, paleo doesn't necessarily solve everything for everybody. And some people might see results immediately completely for something like, you know, multiple sclerosis, which is amazing, but not everybody with MS can expect that paleo is going to solve their problems within 30 days per se, or entirely forever. And that there's no shame in admitting that medical intervention is sometimes the best thing. And Sarah and I talk pretty frequently, especially in flu season, (laughs) about how, you know, we go to the doctors or our kids go to the doctors or whatever it might be and that we get sick a lot less now. But paleo is not like this cure-all or, as you called it, a panacea. And I just thought it was so fantastic because you and Emily both come from kind of a medical background at this point and are a great voice in the community to kind of, you know, put it out there for people who may have been, you know, not seeing the results that they want to see and are feeling less than, and that's not the goal of paleo to ever make anybody feel less than. So I just, I love the message of your post. Thank you. Yeah. It all came from, um, actually a patient that I saw on Friday. She's a brand new patient and she had recently been diagnosed with, and I may be pronouncing this wrong, but cyclothymia, um, which is a mild form of bipolar disorder. 
And she was sort of like dancing around a little bit for the first like 10 minutes and telling me a little bit about her medical history. And, you know, I always I always start like the first sort of um, I, I do like a, a 50 minute initial consult with people. And she was dancing around it. And then she finally said, well, you know, there's one more thing I want to tell you. And I think that um, I don't know how you're going to react to this, but I'm about to go see um, the doctor to be, you know, talk about maybe going on meds because I've been diagnosed. And I, and I um, immediately was like, hey, it's totally okay. And you know, this um, woman had mentioned that, you know, she had done pretty good on a couple of whole 30s in the past. But that, you know, she was really struggling and, you know, you know, dealing with some depression and listen, you know, if if you had a heart condition, would you just kind of stick it out, you know, and hope that paleo is was your savior? No way. So I totally encouraged her to look into meds. I I know of one that um, called Wellbutrin that uh, doesn't cause weight gain, which is, you know, can add to your depression, right? If you're on an antidepressant that causes weight gain, like that's a problem um, for someone who's looking to lose weight. So um, so I, I did just a quick Google search when I had her in the office and I'm like, well, butrin and psychothalmia. And guess what? It's like lit up like the whole, the whole Google feed was completely like how beneficial that can be. So, you know, modern medicine you know, with all of its criticisms from the real food community, actually, you know, there's some really good stuff going on in modern medicine. And we need to look at all things because at the end of the day, we're all not going to get out of here alive, right? So what's the goal? Is the goal is to be, to be happy, to have a happy life. And if you have, you know, some issues with your neurotransmitters, if you've got some issues with, you know, mental illness, like totally take advantage of some of these awesome advances that we've got out there. And I, in the post, I go into, you know, the fact that I had a natural childbirth with my first one, got an epidural with my second one, um, probably wouldn't be here without uh, modern antibiotics, uh, just due to all the infections I had as a kid. And I just, I think that, you know, we can definitely be skeptical. And I know at Paleo FX, I watched uh, the, um, the panel on vaccines with Sarah was there and Emily was there too. And, you know, definitely there's there's concern and we should have concern about some of the studies that are coming out and some of the, um, you know, interest. We all know that there's there's industry interest, right, in, in funding these studies and everything. But at the end of the day, you have to do what's right for you. And if, you know, the right answer is modern medicine, then awesome. I think it's one of the things that we've talked about many times on this show is the search for um, – an optimal human diet, optimal lifestyle choices is not instead of taking advantage of modern medicine. And, and just because there are aspects of modern medicine that are right, slap, take a statin, your, your cholesterol is high, take a statin, slap a, slap a Band-Aid that doesn't even work on a gaping wound. Just because there's this um, culture of sick care in our country doesn't mean that we can't take advantage of the tremendous advancements that we have in modern medicine. We don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm -hmm. And so we talk often about finding that balance of, you know, using modern medicine judiciously, um, but taking advantage of it when it has 
something to offer um, and just, you know, doing our research. And, and that doesn't mean that it's an excuse to not make the hard diet and lifestyle choices, right? Like mm-hmm. not going through fast food can be hard sometimes. Um, but it, it means we get to use the best of both worlds. And that's, that's like the, the best case scenario. Totally. And I think that, you know, there's two things, you know, one is, you know, as Emily mentioned, the good news is that there's almost no chronic condition that a healthy whole foods diet, appropriate sleep and proper physically physical activity won't improve. So we've got that. But then we've got like the also the the stigma with mental health, right? That people feel like they've failed if they have to go on some kind of SSRI or you know whatever antidepressant, and it's just not the case. Within the paleo community, though, that's a stigma with any health condition. So, for example, I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis, and I take thyroid hormone replacement, and there's this, you know, there's this. I think it's getting smaller now, but there's when the autoimmune protocol was new, there was this idea that you could just go off of thyroid hormone if you had been on it for years uh, because the autoimmune protocol would replace that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been something that's been a really um, important conversation to have that, um, you know, no, if you've had an autoimmune disease, you have damage to your organ, your organ can't keep up. You can stop the damage. You might be able to recover some of the damage, but the chances of being able to go off that are not amazing. And when you change medications, you need to do that under a doctor's supervision because Mm -hmm. especially when you're talking about hormone replacement, no matter what the hormone is, or if you're talking about something like SSRIs, like that is a long, you know, when you're on a course of SSRIs, it's a long commitment and there's tapering at the end. And like, those are things that need to be done under a, a the guidance of a healthcare professional, professional who's monitoring you for all the bad things that can happen when you're, you're not, you know, yeah. And it's not going well. Right. And I think this is sort of the natural progression, right, of like this, you know, moving from fringe sort of biohackers into the more legitimate medical community is there's going to be some voices of reason coming in and saying like, hey, guys, all right, you know, we can we can get so far with um, diet and lifestyle. And but, you know, we have to look at we have to look at what's out there and and uh, pull in what we need to um, when it's appropriate. I just would be remiss to mention that Matt blogged, I don't know, maybe the first or second year that we were paleo that um, he has um, ADD and has had his whole life and seasonal depression and, you know, a multitude of things that he saw improvement on when he went paleo, but that the parameters to which he would need to live his life in order to go completely off medication involve things like not being responsible for running a household. And he has three children and a lot of things to do during the day. And his brain literally could not keep track of what he needed to do if he went off entirely, but he was able to kind of wean off the really heavy medication that he was on, which the doctors say, don't be on your whole life because it's essentially speed and they have to test your blood pressure and your heart rate and all that kind of stuff twice a year into something that is better for him. And people, and he, he blogged about how it got better, but then how it was like almost impossible for him to go off because he's been on his whole life. And we've talked a lot about Cole's ADHD and how we managed it. And what, you know, I really felt was important to communicate to the community was that if the things that we had done for Cole hadn't had 
hadn't worked, like, I would have taken the next steps to make sure that he had, like, a full happy life and could succeed in school and, and do those things. But what I wanted to try first was exhaust every option that I could find on the, you know, on the internet, through friends, through anybody who said that they'd had success with something and give it a try and hear his feedback about how he felt about it. And so I hope that those kinds of stories and your article and that kind of stuff really empower people to figure out like what works for them, but also to know that like, like you said, living your best life, living happily, living fully is of the utmost importance. And we just, you know, we want to encourage people to try everything, both natural and medical to make sure that they live that way. So it really touched, like struck a chord with me when I was reading the article, because I think it's something that, you know, Sarah and I have both talked about a lot. And um, there are more, you know, medical professionals in the community now than when we started six, seven years ago. It's been a really long time we've known each other, Diane. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, you know, you're now an RD. I know that you know, there are other MDs and RDs in the community. Sarah has her doctorate. There are other people with their doctorate. You know, it's it's wonderful that there are all these professionals in the community because I think that it helps people who are, you know, looking for inspiration and looking for answers to to find avenues other than, you know, someone like me who's just an N equals one kind of blogger saying, well, this worked for our family. Like, I don't want to tell you what to do, but this is what we did so that you have some ideas of where to start, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I even learned when I was doing my rotations, like, um, I walked into my hospital, my clinical rotation thinking, ugh, feeding tubes and IV nutrition. I don't want anything to do with this. I don't want to be here, you know. But at the same time, um, even though, you know, they're composed of things that I would probably challenge, right, you know, corn syrup and whatever. Uh, Entral nutrition and IV nutrition do have their place and they save lives. So um, if someone, you know, has esophageal cancer and cannot digest or even, you know, um, have food going down uh, through their esophagus, um, these, you know, different ways of getting nutrition into people legitimately do have a place, I think. Um, I wish that they were made of more whole foods options. Um, but at the same time, it really did open my eyes to um, the the different options out there when you really get to the clinical care situation. What was it like doing your RD from your background. So when I was at, um, we were both at paleo effects. I think I had three different people ask me, you know, they wanted to do, um, they wanted to do some kind of training and, Mm -hmm. you know, they lived in the state that say they can't be nutritional therapy practitioners. Mm -hmm. Um, and they were kind of asking like, you know, questions like, how do I, how do I sit in a classroom where I disagree with what I'm being taught? Mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. jump and jump those hoops and my I mean my main advice was like you know figure out how you're going to be able to bite your tongue for that long and still have a tongue at the at the end mm-hmm. um but like figure out how to look after your own health during it like figure out what your outlets are going to be because I imagine that's quite a challenge to be able to accomplish it was really hard I have to say like I you know, first of all, I'm a mom. And so, you know, being a mom, you're super crazy efficient with your time, right? So you don't want to waste any time. So like, 
I was just talking to somebody else recently about how group projects were really killing me, you know, where I had to, you know, do these, you know, go back onto campus and do these group projects with these undergrads who, you know, their parents were paying for their education and, you know, they weren't challenging anything and they're drinking their Diet Coke and eating their candy bar and they don't really care. So that, that part was, was hard. Um, so I sat in the front row of every class. It's my money. I'm paying for it. And I always started every semester hoping that I could just bite my tongue and sit back. And definitely by <laughs> the third week, I couldn't do it any longer. Um, <laughs> and so I, but I mean, I tried to be respectful and I would, um, and not every class was like this, right? Like biochem was pretty straightforward. It's biochem. Right. Um, but there was some issues even in biochem. And luckily I had um, Matt Lalonde to text. Um, and so I would sort of ask him <laughs> questions. I traded him organ meats from our farm animals in exchange for, you know, unlimited texting and um, scientific papers. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> So, um, but even in the biochem, in the textbook, it was wrong about like folic acid versus um, methylfolate. So, um, but once we got into the more like nutrition theory classes, I definitely had issues with things. Um, first of all, the everything in moderation um, is oh. is definitely the the overarching that theme in in these drives school. me crazy. It's like fingernails on a chalkboard. Yeah. So so for folks who don't really um, understand what that means, so um, er, all foods are good. We don't want to eliminate anything. You know, there's a place for candy and ice cream and everyone's healthy diet. Blah blah blah. And honestly, that's just not great advice to people because for more than half the population, that is just really um, a license to overindulge and fail because most people can't moderate and they need to go through some kind of a whole 30 type um, cleanse where they just eliminate everything and then they slowly add it back and, and see how they do. Um, so I'm a, a huge believer of that in my, my clinical practice now. Um, so that was a big problem. And then, you know, the whole low fat stuff is still like, even though the, the new information about, well, maybe we were wrong about cholesterol. So that's a new position of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, um, that, you know, maybe dietary cholesterol is, is really not so bad and saturated fat. Maybe we were wrong about that. That hasn't made it into the coursework yet. So it's going to take a long time to, to get in there. So. When you disagree with things, you still have to write an exam at the end of mm -hmm. your classes mm -hmm. and you just have to give them what you know they think the right answer is. Yeah. So studying for the exam was the worst torture of my life, <sighs> actually, because I knew that any answer that I thought was right was probably wrong. And so <laughs> you have to, you're not just studying, like it's not the search for what's right. It's search, it's search for what they want. What they want you to say. Yeah. Right. <sighs> and it's always what. I wouldn't say. So, right. and I didn't want to have to take the test again because it would be another. So basically how it works is you take all your um, coursework. So it's, and it's not really, you know, people think it's just like maybe a master's degree. It's not, it's, I mean, if you're starting over again in your late thirties, which is when I started and now I'm 42, um, they didn't accept any of my undergrad classes. So I basically had to do another bachelor's degree. So it's like another you know, I had to start at bio 101. That's insane. What about, yeah. what about all of your 
Like, no, I get these emails all the time. People (laughs) telling me, oh, the amount of time that you've worked, like you only have to take X, Y, or Z classes or basically just give us this money in order to get like a pseudo degree at this point. I I mean, I have a bachelor's. I mean, like a MBA, you know what I mean? But yeah. You don't get that? You don't get, like, no. the lifestyle points? Uh-uh. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I looked into doing my RD um, about three three years ago. It was before I started writing The Paleo Approach. And I was trying to figure out, like, how what's the best way for me to help people with the information that I have. And with my PhD in medical biophysics, I was only going to get to buy two years into the RD. Mm-hmm. That was that was all that was going to get forgiven. So it was still going to be two more years and then the 1200 hour practicum. And I went, I don't think I can do a 1200 hour practicum. Yeah. <laughs> did, um, did you have to do, was that how many, how many hours that you? Yes. And not only that, but, um, and I wrote a big blog post about this, but basically, so I, so there are only, um, so many internships slots available for the number of RD candidates that are coming out of these schools. So basically, again, you have to go through all these classes, which is basically a an, a full bachelor's degree. So like I don't remember exactly how many classes, but it's it's more than just like a two years master's. It's, it's a lot more than that. And then at the end, you have to um, – apply to an internship, get into an internship, do the internship, and then you can sit for the exam, which I was just mentioning I was studying for. And then when you pass, then you're an RD. So um, so I there's only um, a 50% match rate across the country, which is pretty poor. So there are just not enough internships per um, how many applicants there are. So I knew it was super competitive. Most of the candidates, you know, fly to Virginia or all all these different places to do their internships. I can't do that, right? Because I'm a mom and I live on a farm. farm. We can't just like you know up up upload our whole family and just move somewhere. So and Boston's pretty um, competitive because we have so many great hospitals here. So. Um, I knew I had to get an A. So I got an A in every single class. I made sure that I got an A. I had Congratulations. Um, thank you. <laughs> That's a lot with life. Yeah, and writing two books and the kids and everything. Um and then I um oh, so I uh I applied to internships and oh and I also had been a food service director, had experience counseling people with nutrition. Um, and I still got rejected from the internships that I applied to. So it was totally crazy. I was given no reason why other than, you know, I'm guessing that they Googled me and figured out the paleo stuff and was like, we don't want any part of this crazy person, you know, coming into our program. Um, so I was able to find this back doorway. So once you've been rejected, you can actually, or have a PhD. So Sarah, this may, um, be useful for you. If you have a PhD or have been rejected from an internship, you can apply for this alternative pathway that, you know, it's, it's very hard to find, but basically it's called an ISPP, individualized, I don't know, whatever, supervised (laughs) practicum. Um, and so awesome for me, I was able to actually line up my own clinical rotation, my, all my own rotations. So um, it actually worked out better for me. You have to actually pay to do these internships. You have to pay to work for free for 1,200 hours. Um, and, you know, it's anywhere from free, which is almost impossible to find, to twenty-four, forty thousand dollars $40,000 to do these internships. Um, 
but the the ISPP I did was about six sixty five hundred dollars, and I was able to um, do my own internships. Now, hospital internships are really so you have to do a community internship, which is like working in a WIC office, um, you know, in, in the community. Um, you have to do a food service, so working in a hospital, you know, scooping out potato salad. Um, and then you have to do a, a clinical, so working working again in a hospital, but doing you know working with inpatient um, population. Um, luckily, actually, Emily Deans, who I wrote the um, mm. post with, was able to help me secure um, part of one of my rotations with um, Dr. Fasano's office, who um, oh, is like amazing. a leading. Yeah. He's so cool. So that was incredible. That was a highlight of my entire program is to oh work my gosh. celiac research center. So, um, I mean, I like read celiac papers for fun, you know, right. like in my spare time. Um, and you so and I don't nerd out together at all. Yeah. <laughs> so that was really great. The other parts of the internship were not as much fun. It was really challenging to, you know, uh, deal with it. I, I wrote a couple of posts about just how depressing it was, right? I'm, I'm working in a hospital with people who are dying. Um, I have no bubble to shield myself from the patients that I was getting attached to who would die on me. Um, I had no tools to give, no real food tools, right? I, I could give them a boost or an inshore with corn syrup and all this stuff, or I could, you know, talk to them about hospital food, which was really high in carbs and really poor in nutrition. And it was just really hard for me to go through that. Um, and I, I, you know, by the end, I really realized I have no, no business working in a hospital at all. It's just not my thing. Um, I, you know, I could see myself doing some outpatient stuff, like maybe with the celiac clinic in the future, but I, I need to be on the preventative side for sure. And, and I love it. I love working with people and helping them, you know, when they're really motivated and they really want to change their lifestyle. Those are the perfect people to work with me. And that's how I get the most satisfaction. So the million dollar question is, are you currently taking clients or are you all booked up already? <laughs> What's happening? So I have a couple offices and I am taking clients. So I have an I have an office that I work out of in Concord, Massachusetts. So I live up the street from Concord in a town called Carlisle. And I also am working out of um, sort of a spa in Boston right on Copley Plaza, which is really cool. Um, so people can come in and, and get, you know, some spa treatments and also see a nutritionist and a functional medicine doctor at the same time, which is awesome. Cool. Uh, yeah. So I'm so psyched. I'm so psyched to be done with all that. And I, unfortunately, I think in RD, you know, back to Sarah's question, you know, like what can people do? Um, unfortunately, at the moment, an RD is really the best way. You know, I did start out as an NTP and I'm so glad I did. Um, so that's the Nutritional Therapy Association's program. Um, it's really hard to unlearn information. So I'm really glad that I had this sort of foundation in – real food nutrition before I entered the RD program because I've been interested in nutrition my whole life and I, I almost went into it when I was younger. And, you know, if I had, I, I would probably be telling people to eat a low-fat diet and, you know, I'd be super sick today. Um, so I'm really glad uh, uh, how everything worked out um, with my life and my education. Um, anyway, so uh, – 
I don't know where I was going with that. So, so we're talking about students who are, and it's oh, actually right, interestingly right, right. because there are a lot of NTPs yep. who look at the regulations in their home states, look at the things they're not allowed to say, the things they're not allowed to do, and go, "Well, if I was an RD, I'd be able to yes bypass all these regulations, and I'd be able to actually help people really effectively." Um, yes. And so the one-on-one thing is really tricky when you're an RTP. Um, and so people just have to be aware of, you know, before they enter the program, they have to be aware of what state they live in because there's a lot of states that um, make it basically yeah. legal to do- I, I live in Georgia and the only person who's allowed to give any kind of nutritional advice in Georgia is an RD. So yeah. even a nurse can't give nutritional advice, mm-hmm. um, you know, and certainly an, an NTP or a certified health coach or any of those other programs you can't say anything in this in this state. Right. So, I mean, you could like do other things, right? Like teach cooking classes or, you know, right. have a blog or whatever. So, but I do, I, I wrote, have to be careful with the blog. Right, right, right. Yeah. D- definitely. Um, I wrote a post and um, on how to become an RD, a real food RD. And I did um, post that map um, in there. So uh, okay. I'll send that link to you guys so you can definitely make sure it's in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's more than half the country. Um, are red states where you have to, and even and even the states that aren't red that are like I forget orange or whatever. Yellow is it? I think it's red, yellow, green. I think yeah. I don't know if there was an orange in there too, but anyway, uh, yeah, it's you have to be really careful. And I was getting really nervous because, uh, you know, especially as an online, you know, having an online presence, I was getting people not just you know, oh, I want to lose a couple pounds. I was getting like people seeking me out that really should have been seeing a functional medicine doctor. The, you know, people who were with real significant medical conditions that now I can see because, um, I'm allowed to do medical nutrition therapy. Um, but before, you know, was not okay for me to be doing that. Um, and in addition to, I can take insurance, right. Which, um, at least in Massachusetts, I'm allowed to, I'll be allowed to take well, that's insurance. Fantastic. Yeah. So it'll open me up to, um, being able to see more people than just those who can afford to pay out of pocket. Um, so it's still, it takes a long time. Um, I still have to get credentials with all the insurance companies and there's all this paperwork and, you know, probably won't have you going to be able to, um, work with people online or you're only going to work with people out of your two centers. Totally doing online. It's going to be out of pocket for online, but I'm totally, totally doing online. And actually most of my, um, patients are online. So why don't we um, let people know where they can find you? Because I bet you all six of our listeners want to work with you. Um, um, so def- they can access you through your website. Yeah, yeah, sustainabledish.com. I've got um, I've got a free ebook on there um, talking about the sustainable diet. So really, I'm I'm just all about like what works for you, right? Like a diet isn't going to work unless you're going to follow it. Um, and so I, I work with people, you know, if they need to take baby steps into a 30 day cleanse or if they need to jump right in because they're sick or they're super psyched and ready to do it, that's cool too. So, um, yeah, they can, they can check me out there. They can see all my blog posts. I've got a store, all kinds of stuff. I would also highly recommend that people check out both of your books, um, the latest of which is a gorgeous hardback book called oh, I love it. Paleo. One of my and favorite books. It's the perfect time to look into this book as well because it is 
springtime and my kids are begging me to garden and, you know, buy things at the farmer's market. And even if you're not willing to garden, what I love about your book is that it breaks down recipes into recommended kind of seasonal approach so that you can kind of focus on, for me, we meal planned out of your book a couple of weeks ago and we focused just on the spring section and we're able to pick recipes of things, foods that we could easily find in our farmer's market, local and seasonal, which is fantastic. So for people who are trying to get more into that like local, seasonal, sustainable approach, homegrown paleo is fantastic, whether you garden or have a homestead or not. Oh, and thank then, you so much. Yeah, I was psyched to see that your boys made that salad with the horseradish dressing. I thought that was really adventurous of them. It was very adventurous. I don't think they quite knew what horseradish dressing was. <laughs> so we put it on the side and then like, I can't remember, one of the boys really liked it. And then I know Wesley was like, this is spicy. And we gave him you know, tassamese or something else mm-hmm. to put on the salad. But yeah, they, they choose salads. Um, they love salads with fruit in them. So it's pretty easy to get them to choose salads from recipe books if they, mm-hmm. you know, are enticing like that. So nice. Yeah, it was a great salad. And also, I would be remiss to mention your first book, which I can't remember the name of because it's the lunchbox <laughs> book. That's what comes to my mind. Paleo lunches and breakfast on the go. See, I was so close. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I was doing the same thing. I was like, wait a minute, what's it called? What's this? I have it on the bookshelf. What's yep. it called? Yeah. I just think of it as the lunchbox book. But there's obviously more than lunchboxes in there, and that book also has ideas for like making ahead and you know tips for people because Sarah and I get questions all the time about how to make meal prep and um, f- faster food easier. And yes. that book is is a really great resource for that. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to mention? No, I mean, yeah, it's a good time to get outside to to start a garden. Um, definitely that Homegrown Paleo book is an awesome um, resource for that. And, you know, find a local farmer, get some get some uh, grass-fed cow going, um, all that stuff. And then if, if folks need – I know you guys offer consulting as well, but if, if folks want to see an RD and have some um, medical nutrition therapy that they need, I am totally available. Yay. Yay. Well, thank you so much for joining us again, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. They're so crossed. Hi. Yes. So Diana gets to watch Game of Thrones on time. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.